All right. All the hippies like that song, didn't they? Yeah. Hey, look, we needed to laugh there because we're going to talk about um, just a controversial subject today. And I want you to know this isn't our normal M.O. This is not how we normally roll here. But there's a very specific reason why we're doing a series called Touchy Subjects. And it's not to be shock jocks and it's not to get attention. I can tell you the reason we're going to talk about some very uncomfortable subjects the next several weeks is simply this. There is a generation coming up that is getting eaten alive by some of these things. And it's wreaking havoc in homes and families and lives. And so we felt compelled to talk about things. There's kids really struggling with some of these issues. And we need to know how to help them. And we need to know how to talk to them about some of these things. And we need to be on the same page working together to help God intervene in some things that are really devastating our culture and our lives. If you've got friends or family uh, with middle schoolers and high schoolers, if you, if you care about them, I would just encourage you to invite them to come the next several weeks. It's going to be very impactful for families with those age groups. So be sure to invite them to come. And, and as I read some statistics a few months ago preparing for this message, I read something that absolutely broke my heart. Absolutely broke my heart. And what I realized is there's an epidemic occurring in our culture in Jackson County, in Jefferson, Georgia, that nobody's talking about. Nobody's talking about, especially the church. And that epidemic is pornography. It's pornography. Sexual immorality and pornography. I read a focus on the family stat, and this absolutely brought me to my knees. It says, by college, listen to this. By college age, 87% of the young men and 31% of the young women view pornography regularly in their lives. That's your kids and my kids. That's your grandkids and someday maybe my grandkids. <laughs> That's a staggering statistic to think about. And when you hear that, we think, well, maybe, maybe not my kids. Maybe if I keep them away from those families and from those situations and, and those uh, homes, they'll be okay. You know what? That might have used to work in the past, but it absolutely will not work today. The other stat I read from them was that 79% of kids view pornography for the first time in their own home. In their own home. And it's not out there anymore. It's right here. And it's right there on your phone. It's on these screens that we carry around with us all the time. And it's so accessible now. It's not out there, guys. It's right here. read a testimony about a mom named Rachel from Ohio. She said, my life got turned upside down. My Christian, homeschooled, God-loving 15-year-old boy was hooked on Internet pornography. And it absolutely devastated our home. So this is a thing we've got to talk about. And you might have even heard people say, or maybe you've wrestled with this idea, that, that really this is sort of a victimless crime, that nobody really gets hurt through this thing, and that it's not that big a deal. Man, I just challenge that. that maybe it's not really hurting people that bad. You know what? It, it is. And if you were to look in the eyes of a dad or a mom who has a kid in that industry, you would know that the pain is real. But not only is it the people involved with it, I wanted to show you this morning that it's absolutely destructive for those that engage with it. 
And so if you've got your Bible, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. They'll be on the screen. It's the words of Jesus. And he's talking about uh, the context is actually money. And he's talking about how money can get a hold of our lives. But I think it's very applicable to the, the topic that we've chosen this morning. And Jesus says this. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If the eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And the, and the idea that Jesus is conveying is that things that we lay our eyes on, the things that we choose to look at, actually get in us and become a part of us. And then if we look at good things and we look at things that are full of light, that are noble, that are good, that are beautiful, that that affects our mind and our spirit and our heart and our mind and body and, and spirit follow the light. But the converse is also true that if we fill our eyes with things that are dirty and perverted and ungodly, that our hearts and our minds are sure to follow. So let's take it with money for instance. If you continually look at things and want things and every time, God help me, I see a Camaro go by. I'm like, man, I'd love to have that. Is it got a stick shift? Is it a V8? I'm always asking that question. But if I continually dwell and think upon things, it will turn into covetousness and greed. Am I right? Then if we take something like sexuality that is so beautiful that God created between a husband and a wife to be enjoyed in the context of a marriage, then take something that is so beautiful that God gave us as a gift, and if we continually fill our mind with images and videos and thoughts and in such an, in a, anything outside of marriage, then it turns itself into lust and sexual fulfillment and, and self-fulfillment. And Jesus said, if your eyes take in darkness, your heart and your mind, they grow dark. So guys, this is a terrible thing, and, it, and it's a terrible thing because it's actually an addictive thing, and we'll get into that in just a second. But I want you to think with me a second about the eyes again. If we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, and we go to Adam and Eve in the garden, and the first temptation is, is like our temptations today, and they were faced with a decision of whether they were going to obey God or whether they were going to fill their hearts and minds with something that was impure, and God had given them the choice of the fruit to eat. I want us to read that passage because it's very telling in how this happens. I want us to look at the language of Genesis 3, 6 for a second. And it says this, when they made their faithful choice, it says this, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. So let me ask you, did this temptation start with Eve's taste buds? No. She had never eaten of this fruit ever before. She was not allured by the taste. Did it happen when she grabbed a hold of the fruit? Some say it was an apple. Who knows what kind of fruit it was? Uh, but when she started feeling, was it her sense of touch that drew her to want to disobey God and take a chance on being expelled from the garden? No, it wasn't. Look with me again back at what the passage says. It says, when the woman saw, I want you to circle that word saw, when she saw that the fruit, and then it went on to say, and that it was pleasing to the what? To the eye. 
is when she became in her heart deceived and drawn away from the loving God who had made her and gave her a beautiful place to live and an awesome husband to have, and she disobeyed God because her eyes led her astray. Here's, here's our principle this morning is when you're, what your eyes survey, your mind can betray. What your eyes survey, your mind can betray. There's some sort of connection between our eyes and our mind. And whatever we fill our eyes with begins to fill our mind with. And any mind that is filled and led astray into darkness and sin ultimately ends up in a bad place. That a mind consumed with sexual immorality will lead to isolation. It will lead to sexual immorality. It will lead to uh, using people for sexual conquest. It can destroy families and it can ultimately lead to greater perversion in people's lives. Those are documented facts. And so God... In Romans 8, he gives us sort of an outline of what this happened, what's happening inside of us when we're lured away by, by temptation, any temptation, but for today's conversation, sexual temptation. He says this, that those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mindset on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. Listen to that. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. And God, what He's spelling out for us in the Scriptures is very clear, is that you and I each have a choice, but we only have two choices. We can choose to live our lives feeding ourselves and our minds with the ideas of the flesh, the things that our bodies desire, even if they're outside of God's plan. Or you and I can choose to live according to the Spirit. And if we choose to live according to the Spirit of God, guess what we find? We find life. Did you see that? That those who live according to the Spirit, there is life, there is peace for those who know what it means to live according to the Spirit of God and the desires of God and not governed and enslaved by by the the desires of our own flesh. See, that's how. listen to how this works. Your eyes get filled with darkness and that infiltrates our mind and our mind begins to dwell on things of the flesh. And ultimately what that leads to is the scripture said very clearly is death. You say, what do you mean it leads to death? It means the death of relationships. It means the death of families. In a very personal way, it leads, I believe, in a death to being the capacity to be able to love as God intended us to love. And there's something in us when we give ourselves over to the flesh that we lose a little bit of what it means to be us and be human and be made in the image of God. And ultimately, without God intervening in our life, the fruit of of continually walking in the deeds of the flesh, if God doesn't intervene and, and redeem your soul and your life, that ultimately it leads to spiritual death in a place called hell that's very real. That's how serious this is, guys. Therefore, 
I want to turn us to Colossians 3. Therefore, we're instructed as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. This is such a challenging passage, but it's absolutely what God wants to say to us this morning. He tells us to put to death. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. See, that list is pretty comprehensive, but the first three are all related to sexual immorality and sexual sin. God's saying stay away from these things. They're destructive. In fact, he doesn't just say stay away from them. He says put them to death, kill them, crush them, because there's an addictive nature to sexual sin that we don't see in a lot of other sins. And that's because, this is a dirty word in my house, but this is because of hormones. Any teenage, you got teenagers in your house, you know what a hormone looks like, right? They're very normal, and then they're very unnormal. And they're very mature, and then you're like, what just happened? <laughs> and I got great kids, but when hormones kick in, woo! We all know the power of a hormone, do we not? It's powerful stuff. Uh, what they are is they're chemicals secreted in the brain by your gland or in your, by your brain itself or near your mind. And it alters your mood and it alters and influences your body and your, even your mind. So uh, I don't know if you know this, but hormones are actually a reward for sexual activity. When, when you and I experience a sexual pleasure, there's actually hormones kicking in and going off in your mind that reward that behavior. And it's a lot like eating a candy bar. Actually, scientifically, it is. I mean, then I kind of wanted to eat chocolate in front of you. I thought that'd be funny. But, um, but when you, and it's morning, so I don't know about this, but, but when you bite into a piece of chocolate, oh yeah. It's like, welcome home, right? <laughs> There's something happening in my brain that says, yes! Remember the, and I had chocolate last night. I mean, I was getting ready. Like I had to prepare for the message. <laughs> but my body's thinking like, why haven't you done that before now? Cause that was awesome. And there's actually a similar thing happening when you're eating chocolate that when you eat chocolate, there's hormones released in your mind that tell you, yes, that's awesome. And it also is creating neural pathways, we'll get to this in a second, that actually tells your mind, you need to do that again very soon. Now, you think about that. That's not even fair that God put that in chocolate. Right? Like, that's not even fair that chocolate has something that is addictive. You ever said, man, that stuff must have crack in it because I love it so much? You're actually not very far off because there's something in this that triggers chemicals and hormones in our brain that feels a lot like that. So um, what God intended for intimacy in a marriage, here's what happens. Pornography tricks your brain and tricks my brain into providing these same chemical reactions and rewards without the intimacy with another person. And so I'm going to walk you... I, I'm no doctor, I'm no biologist, but I'm going to walk you through the best I can the chemical reactions that happen in your brain when you're eating chocolate or when you're uh, engaging in sexual pleasure. First thing that happens is a chemical called dopamine. As soon as you get a little whiff of it, even when you smell the chocolate, 
or you begin to be aroused, dopamine kicks in and causes a greater desire for what's about to come. Did you realize that? No one can eat just one. I'm thinking about that chocolate bar right there. (laughs) I'm not even lying. Like, I want another bite. It's creating a craving in us for more. Then oxytocin comes out, and it starts laying down neural pathways. Your brain is a series of trillions of little synopses that connect to each other when you do something, and it causes a neural pathway that the more times you do it and the more times it's reinforced, a little dirt path turns into a super highway that your brain knows what it wants and it goes for it. And this chemical starts laying that out, and when it's, when it's related to a pleasure, this pathway is even stronger. And then endorphins kick in. You heard of endorphins? That's the chemical when guys, people try to describe a runner's high. Anybody ever had a runner's high? You are sick individuals. Those are some sick individuals right there. I have ran plenty, and I have never, ever experienced a runner's high. What's wrong with y'all? But somehow... It's pleasurable to y'all, and these endorphins come out, and it's a natural version of opium. Wow. And that gets released in your brain into the sensation of being high. Whatever. (laughs) The fourth chemical that comes out is serotonin. And after this is all done, this fourth chemical causes calm and a sense of, of pleasure and ease and relaxation after you've had the chocolate or after you've had sex. Now, what they tell me, what they tell me is this chemical reaction and what's going on in your brain when they've done brain scans of those that are engaged in pornography, that those brain scans look very similar and of the same magnitude of someone that is addicted to alcohol or someone addicted to heroin. And these are a powerful force when you get hooked on something immoral like this, especially when it's sexually related, it grabs you. And there's a chemical uh, addictive cycle that you continually go through because your brain remembers how good it feels, how calm you felt after, and that you want and you desire and you crave it again. Now, Just as bad as that chemically addictive cycle, there's a spiritually addictive cycle when it comes to pornography and sexual morality. It goes like this. There is a strong desire. And then through whatever means, there's fulfillment of that desire. And then spiritually, there is a sense of overwhelming guilt and overwhelming shame associated with having done what you did. And then that leads to further isolation. You don't want to tell God. You don't want to get help from someone else. And you withdraw further socially and spiritually from the people that can help you and the God that loves you and can help you. And you end up getting further away and you end up repeating the cycle all over again. Guys, what your eyes survey, your mind betrays. I mean, we're describing scientifically what God said in his word thousands of years ago, that your eyes are a light to your body or they can bring darkness in your body. So be very careful what comes in through your eyes because it has an effect on your very soul. That's what he's saying. And this isn't a victimless crime. It destroys people socially and spiritually and it ruins families and it ruins relationships. 
and what we just read from Romans 8, that those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. You know what that means? We become slaves to our own desires. We become a slave to our own sexual sin, and it begins to take hold of our lives. Now, I want you to hear this clearly. I believe this is a very big deal for everybody. I don't know if you realize this or not, but if you take all the the revenue from the NBA, that's basketball. I know none of y'all watch basketball. The NFL, we know what that is. Go Falcons. Uh, From the NHL, that's hockey. We don't play that down here. And the Major League Baseball, if you take all the revenues from all the teams, all of that, think of all the money associated with that, the pornography industry is bigger than all of those combined. That's a fact. But I want you to hear something. It's dangerous for anybody. But it's particularly dangerous for young people. Men, and I want to tell you why. Teenage boys, it's really dangerous, and here's why. These neuropathways, these reward pathways that get built in our mind, for whatever reason, God has wired teenage boys that when those get developed, they become four times stronger than anybody else. And so their reward system in their mind is robust. And these habits get, that get formed are, are debilitating and they're, they're uh, enslaving to young men. It's a real danger, guys. And, and, and I read this and they said, it gets even to the point where a young man would, would rather have their needs sexually felt through pornography than through an actual relationship with a young woman. That's how strong these get. Um, parents, I want to talk to you for a second. This is If you think your kids are immune to any of this, you're, you're fooling yourselves. Um, we had a sixth grader in our church, was, had a social media account, and randomly, not solicited, a young man showed, sent a picture of himself fully nude and exposed to this young lady. Out of the blue. Wasn't looking for it. Wasn't asking for it. And they are 6th grade, 7th grade, through 12th grade and up in college. They're dealing with this like you and I didn't have to deal with it when we were coming up. And you need to assume as a parent, if they're not dealing with it yet, they will be very, very soon. They will be exposed without your and I direct intervention. And even if we do, there's no guarantees. So I want to give you a few common red flags, just parent to parent. When I read this through uh, Focus on the Family, this is good stuff. You need to jot these down. Here's some common red flags you need to be looking for in a spouse, in a family member, in a child. A lack of empathy towards others was number one. A lack of empathy towards others. That they become callous. Their heart becomes callous. There's some, this thing that Jesus was describing that you become dark. That's what it's, that's scientifically what it's showing is you become hardened in your heart. Decreased performance in school and less interest in extracurricular activities. They become withdrawn and more and more isolated. And that's the next one. Increased isolation from their peers. They just begin to go into this shell, and they're thinking they're the only one dealing with it, and they're really weird and abnormal for having these feelings, and they're really jacked up spiritually because they're doing these things they don't want to do, and they get further and further withdrawn. 
even from the people who love them. Uh, next one is actively acting secretive around computers and phones, smartphones, erasing browser history and adding extra passwords. I mean, if these kind of things are happening in your home, there's a reason they're happening in their home, in your home. And then large, this is, this is key, large amount of times alone in the bedroom or bathroom with the door locked. I mean, these are all warning signs, guys, that something is going on. And we can't stick our head in the sand and act like it's not there or it's going to go away or it's going to be okay or that's very normal. No, what they need is a parent to step in alongside them. We'll talk about just a second how do you do that. I'm, I'm no fool, guys. There's many adults. There's people in this room struggling with the same issue. But I want to end with the idea that there's great, great hope. Did you read that in, the, in, uh, in Romans 8, that there's great hope that God can actually help us in our sin, in our depravity, in our darkness, in our death, in our isolation, in our fears, in our sin? God can and will intervene in a powerful way, and He, like we sang, can set us free from everything that is dark in our lives and bring us new life. Can you give God praise if you believe that this morning? Give Him praise. He can He said, the mind governed by the Spirit is life and it's peace. Doesn't that sound really good? That your mind would be full of life and that your mind would be full of peace because the Spirit of God is such an influence in your life that He is radically transforming you. Can I tell you without without any question what God wants for your life is that right there. He wants life for you and He wants peace for you. I promise you that. The battleground... I don't know if you realize it. The battleground is our mind. The battleground is our mind. And if you're struggling with sexual addiction this morning, I want you to know that there's hope. I want you to know if you, if you don't even know if it's an addiction or not, there is hope. And I want to give you a promise that God gave, not just to Paul, not just to super Christians, not to people up on stages. Every single follower of Jesus Christ, he says this in Corinthians. He says, no temptation. No temptation, sexual morality included. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. You are going through what everyone else is going through and you're not weird and you're not alone and you don't have to live in shame and you don't have to live in isolation. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. We're all dealing with these things and God is faithful. Is he faithful this morning, church? He is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Isn't that a good promise? He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, guess where God is? Is He running to the hills? Is He waiting for you to deal with it on your your own? No. But when you are tempted, He's right there next to you. He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. What an amazing God. The God who hates sin and hates rebellion and hates the darkness in this world. He comes running when you're faced with those things and he meets you in that place and he offers a way out. Yes, church, there is hope. If you're a follower in Jesus Christ, he can and will deliver you from any sin, including sexual sin. Amen. Now. If you're not a believer, hear me very clearly. If you do not have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you are a slave to sin. That sin that's got you won't let go of you. 
And you can try all you want and you can try to be really good and you can try to go to church and you can try to read your Bible and you can try to hang out with the right people and all those are good things. But until you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you will continue to be a slave to that sin. And so you, your step this morning is you need to turn to the living God and He can give you life and He can give you peace and He can give you deliverance from all that has entangled your life. If you are a believer this morning and you, 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 you gotta understand something. You are no longer a slave to sin. You once were a slave to sin, but God in His mercy and through the power of His Spirit is now willing to redeem you and deliver you from the sin that once had you. And you gotta stop believing the lie that you can't overcome the sin in your life. That is a lie from the pit of hell. There is no temptation that God can't see you through. There is no habit. There is no addiction. There is no problem that God in His grace cannot overcome through His power and His strength. And so this morning, you might just need to turn to Him and say, God, I need a new start. And you'll start feeling really good about that. But you also need to realize there's a process that follows a decision like that. There's a process that you and I need to understand that, that, that when, when we read in Colossians chapter three, that we are to put to death whatever belongs to the sinful nature, that, that phrase put to death in the original languages, let me get this right, an active imperative in the aorist tense. I know that means nothing to you. But what it means is it's an ongoing process. And what he's saying is keep Putting to death the sin in your life. Keep putting it to death. Keep putting it to death. Keep putting it to death. There's no magic prayer. There's no spiritual home run that each day, each moment, each decision, you keep putting to death the desires of the flesh that you know are in contradiction to the will of God and you refuse to give in to him. And when you are weak and need help, you call out on Almighty God and he keeps putting to death that which is going on in your life. And so you fight the good fight. Here's here's the words I want to give you. To overcome sexual addiction, uh, addiction, you must retrain your brain. Stop believing the lies and retrain your brain. The, the famous passage in Romans talks about this. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. The pattern of this world, 81% of young men and 30, uh, 87 and 31% of young women, the pattern is that they are addicted to pornography. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Did you catch that? By the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good pleasing and perfect will. God says this morning, you can have a new mind. You can be renewed from the inside out. You can start looking at life differently. You can think differently about sexuality. You can have victory over habits and hangups. And if you will stop feeding your mind through your eyes, the lustful images of the flesh and renew your mind instead and fill it with the truth and the goodness and the righteousness of God. You can renew your mind and have new life. 
Maybe you take Colossians 3, 5 that says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to the earth and nature. And you memorize that passage. And you begin to bury God's word in your mind. You begin to renew your mind with the truths of God. And every time, every time a temptation like that comes, you, the spirit of God brings the memory, the verse that you know. And you say, no, but I want to put this to death. And God, by your grace, I will. That's what it means to renew your mind. But I want you to be, I want to be very clear. The only way that happens is through God's help. Not, not a one of us has the willpower and not one of us has the moral fortitude to deliver ourselves from sin. You see, that's why we've gathered this morning and that's why there's a cross that we celebrate this morning because Jesus Christ came and died for the sins of the world. But he didn't just die for the sins of the world. He came to deliver you from your sins today. Did you realize that? He came to deliver you and I from the sins that plagues our lives today. That's why he came. And if you don't have a relationship with God, this morning is your opportunity that God is saying, you will never get free unless you invite me in. And I have made a way. My son has already purchased your freedom and your, and your, um, your forgiveness and your home in heaven. If you will simply receive my son as the payment of sacrifice for your sin. And so as we bring the lights down, I want to just invite you guys to bow your heads with me for a second. This is the most important decision somebody in this room is going to make in their entire lives, whether they'll turn over the control of their life to Jesus Christ, whether they're willing to have God intervene and pay for the sins that they struggle with and give them new life. That's your choice this morning. And if you're ready to take Jesus Christ, not just as this historical figure, not just as a prophet or a good man, But if you're willing to take Jesus Christ as your only hope, he's my only hope for forgiveness because I can't be good enough. He's my only hope for deliverance from sin because I can't win this battle on my own. If you're ready to receive Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world and the Savior for you, and to take him as the boss and the leader and the Lord of your life, that I want you to invite you, I beg with you right now to call on God right now and pray something like this just in your own heart. God, I need you. I want to take Jesus and what he offers. I want to know what it means to have a mind full of life and peace. I want to know what it means to be forgiven of my sin. I want to know and experience what it means to be free from the power of sin in my life. I want to take Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. Now, with nobody looking around, this is serious business with God. If that's your decision this morning, I want you to raise your hand and tell God as a declaration of your faith, I'm choosing Jesus Christ as my Savior and my leader Slip your hand up if that's you. Oh, I rejoice with you. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. All right, guys, look up here just a second because I want to talk to the parents just to go. 
briefly about this idea of sexual morality, and then we're going to pray about this. If you had a rattlesnake in your home, you would take pretty decisive action, wouldn't you? If you had a poisonous snake somewhere in your house and maybe it was in your kid's room, you would take all means necessary to make sure that thing was gone, wouldn't we? Can I be honest? Sexual immorality and pornography is a rattlesnake spiritually. And if you're struggling this morning, I want you to tell somebody. You don't have to tell me, but you can. I'm safe. I will never condemn you for that. I will give you props for making it public and and getting the help that you need. God doesn't want you to go this alone. And I want you to know also in January, we're starting Celebrate Recovery. And if this is a problem in your life, it's a habit in your life, and you're wrestling with it, there is going to be a group that's going to meet here every week starting in January to help God put to death that sin in your life. I encourage you. I know I challenge you, and I beg you to be a part of that. Parents, let's talk to you about your kids. You need to have this talk with them. If there was a rattlesnake in the room, you would talk to them about that, wouldn't you? Here's the trick, parent, spouse. You got to be safe. You got to let them know I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to throw stuff. I'm here to help you. I want to love you through this. I love you more today than, than, than before you told me you had a problem. I love you even more. You got to be that safe for them, for them to come out and say, I've got a problem and I need your help. If they were secretly holding a rattlesnake in their room, you'd want them to be honest and tell you, right? You've got to set boundaries now. As a parent, you are the one that has to set the boundaries in your home. If you had a rattlesnake in her, their room and you knew it, you'd have a cage, wouldn't you? There would be well-defined boundaries of where that snake could go and where it could not go. It is your job as the parent to set the boundaries Well, these stupid screens that get our kids so messed up. Any device in your home should be open to a surprise inspection anytime. You understand? Anytime. Your spouse the same way. No secrets. You need to monitor their technology. And in your handout, we gave you a little card, Triple X Church or X Watch. They do an amazing job of helping parents talk to their kids. There's all kinds of helpful information on that card. You need to go home and start researching and talk to your kids about what that looks like in your home. And I've got to say this because it's happened before. If there's moral filth in your home, you need to remove it. Take the venomous snake out of the home. And so I want to pray for us about our sexual morality and our sexual purity this morning. If you'll bow your heads with me one more time. Father, I'm so glad when we get stuck in sin, you don't go running for the hills in condemnation. God, I praise you this morning because when we struggle in sin and habits that get a hold of our lives, you come running to us and meet us in that moment of temptation and you offer a way out through your son, Jesus Christ, and the power of your spirit. 
So, Father, if there's someone struggling this morning with sexual immorality and pornography, I'm not going to ask them to raise their hand. I'm just going to ask them to pray silently where they are. God, I need a change. I need your help. And, Lord Jesus, I'm asking for your forgiveness. And today I want to be a turning point with you, God. that I'm going to begin to put to death this thing in my life. Or maybe as a parent, you need to pray to God and say, God, I've been lax in this area. I've not led my family well. There may be things going on in my home I don't know about. And God, today we're going to cage the rattlesnake. We're not going to let it roam free in our home anymore. And by the grace of God, you'll set me You'll set our family free by the power of the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.